Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 1st, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are on page XBIII in the forward to the second edition. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday's speaker meeting is 4197. That's 4197. Oh, a preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would like to ask Lois to please read the 12 Steps for us. Good good morning, Janice, and good morning, everyone. This is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. Uh, Number one, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result, as the result of, of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I'd now like to ask Meg to please read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Meg O, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topics and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the forward to the second edition, and we are on page XBIII. And we are in the first full paragraph on that page that begins in the spring of 1940. And this morning, I would like to ask Judy B. to please get us started. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller, Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends, to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. News of this got out on the world wires. 
Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. By March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full spring. AA had become a national institution. Wow, such, such good news to see how this, this unfolded in the beginning. I mean, word, word spread that there was an answer uh, for alcoholism in Alcoholics Anonymous. They had a solution, and it was working, and people saw that. And this, this just gives me such excitement to think that something like this could happen in OA. I mean, we, we see just how um, people are just coming um, by the many, to this phone meeting and to other meetings, and if if only we can get the message out, and we can people can see as they watch what happens to us that this there is a solution here, and that we use we use the um, the steps in the big book, and it also works for overeaters, and and once people really understand that and know that that we have we have a, a solution to this dilemma. I, I just envision that, that this could happen for us too. It's just very exciting, and it's, it's, I just like to think that we're at this stage where it's time for us to let everyone know that there, there is a solution to our problem. There is a solution, and there is a freedom that can be found if we just will will follow the uh, the directions in the big book. I don't know. It's very very exciting, and I'm I'm glad to read about that here. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. News of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstore to get the book. Well, you know, um, like uh, she was just saying, you know, this meeting is having that kind of effect. And as long as we can stay out of the, the pitfall of negative thinking, of, you know, focusing on, how many people come to our meetings and don't stay or, or you know, how many people don't um, get it. You know, as long as we can stay focused on carrying this message, we have a message. We have a message to share that um, 70 years later, this program still works. And it works for compulsive overeaters the same way it works for alcoholics. If you are a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, which is what I am. And, you know, this line, um, news of this got out on the world wires. Well, we have the world wide web. And, you know, thanks 
thank goodness we have people who know how to set up a website and to make these things available. Because I'm telling you, I have lots of friends who are listening regularly to this meeting, and they are not on our list of 500 people. Um, it takes, you know, not that they're not willing to take the effort, but there are just so many people that are hearing this message that we have. And, um, you know, I, my program is one of a day at a time. I don't have to get focused on what I didn't do yesterday, last year, last decade, or what's going to happen tomorrow. All I can do is what I'm doing today, which is, you know, standing here in my pajamas in rural Virginia talking to, you know, 100 people and saying there is a solution. And if that gives someone a flicker of hope that they will then pick up the phone and ask someone on that list of 500 people to be their sponsor who is just a little bit ahead of them, you know, we can start a phenomenon too. And, you know, I'm just really grateful to be a part of this and to be able to say that the food is down in my life and I have a solution. That'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, I just wanted to look at this line, this first line. You come along in the spring of 1940. I wasn't born then. I wasn't born then. But the benefits even I received. And it says John D. Rockefeller gave a dinner for many of his friends, which he invited AA members to tell their stories. And there it is, the impact of their stories. But I today it would be like being invited to Trump. There the comparison. John D. Rockefeller was a powerful yes, but he was a money maker. But honey, there was no money to be made here. There was no money to be made here. Something else took place here. Here he saw the building, not of buildings, of people themselves coming back to life. And it impressed him so that he wanted to tell his friends. I'm kind of particular what I tell my friends. Well, would you recommend this? I'm really, because I'm saying, well, you know, I don't want it backfiring on me. But no. There was no backfiring here. But I'm going to go to the bottom there and scoot on down. The mushrooming process was in full swing from death to life. From people that didn't hold a job, that were out there. From people that were shamed, would never tell their story for where they were, but where they had been. But they told it all because of where they were. Where they were on that day. Full swing. And that is there for all of us. And you see, again, 1941 wasn't born either then. But the benefits I reap, and they're there for all. I say thank you again, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, this this is a picture of AA history. This is a picture of AA history. And isn't it interesting, at least it is to me, that they would find it necessary to put this in the foreword to the second edition, lest we forget how this thing unfolded. 
in its earliest days. You know, in 1940, John D. Rockefeller was one of the big movers and shakers of the time. You know, big money. Some of the philanthropists and uh, benefactors of the time, he gathered a bunch of these people together because he had himself heard about this movement and knew some of the people in this movement, this Alcoholics Anonymous movement, and he had seen what was happening with it. And so to be helpful, he put a bunch of these gentlemen together and invited some from AA to come and tell their stories. Wouldn't that have been an interesting place to be at that dinner party and, and hear some of these alcoholics tell their story, their story of transformation and recovery? And because these were very well-known people of the time, the news got out that they had been at this, at this gathering and heard these stories. And we're talking journalists and newspaper men of the time who, who were not easily swayed and easily snowed by any bit of information, but they heard about this. They had already heard news of this movement called Alcoholics Anonymous. And so it began, it began to be out there in newspapers on the World Wire that this was important enough that these people had gathered together to hear about this movement of Alcoholics Anonymous and this author, Jack Alexander, wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post. And that's still available through AA to read that article. And because of that article, it painted such a compelling picture of AA before the general public, before the general public, that inquiries began to pour in even more. So we're told that the membership was already at 2,000 after the book came out in 1939, and now by 1941, end of 1941, 8,000 members. Can you imagine the hope that was being spread? I, I like to imagine how that must have felt to people who found a solution and who were frantically inquiring about this thing and how could they get it? How could they learn about it? So it's amazing to me that this mushrooming process was in full swing in only two years, in only two years. So I like to believe, too, that perhaps the, the sale of big books is going to soar as people searching out of the way of this disease that you and I have, compulsive overeating, that, that these, this message will get out there and we'll sell even more big books so that people can follow the directions clearly laid out and find what we have found. Because it is available. It is available. And AA was earning the respect of the press and the public because people were getting sober and staying sober. And they were carrying the message to still others, which is the same thing that still happens today, right here, right now on this line. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, it's Penny E. from South Jersey. Go ahead, Penny. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I, too, am focusing on these numbers. Uh, by March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. 
by the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000. Why? What did they do that we're not doing in OA? What's the deal? What's the deal? People were hungry. People were deluging them with information. And it says here that um, John D. Rockefeller invited AA members to tell their stories. These are stories of recovery, of how they recovered. And these people in the beginning were low bottom. You know, when I think of low bottom, you know, living under a bridge in a raincoat with drinking out of a brown paper bag, they were, they were low bottom alcoholics. And here they were, cleaned up, homes reunited, back with their employers, you know, uh, they were respected citizens. This, these were miracles. They were telling their stories of recovery, not re- stories of coming back from relapse, not relapse prevention, not relapse, relapse, relapse. Uh, these were programs of attraction. People wanted it. Uh, and I, I'm editorializing here. But it's so important that we follow this, that we follow this. You know, so many times in in the rooms we hear people um, leading the meetings who are not abstinent, you know, because they need to do service, doing beginner's meetings because they need to do service. And I think this could kill people. This could kill people. If somebody comes into a room and doesn't hear the stories of recovery, people, people telling their stories as they did here in 1941, somebody could walk out and go, boy, you know, I don't need that. Never come back again and die. I think it's so important that we carry the message of recovery, not relapse. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right, we'll move on to the... I'm sorry? This is Natalie from California. Just a question. Um, if someone yes. could comment about if someone could comment about the anonymity issue, um, if Trump were to invite a bunch of OA people to speak at a dinner, would that be um, a breach of anonymity? Thank you. All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Rebecca, if you would read that for us. This is Rebecca, recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be strivings for power and prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, the conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. And I'd like to share on this paragraph. I looked up some words, um, and I wanted to just kind of elaborate on them. Um, Well, the first is that it was a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. Uh, And adolescent means immature and made me think of um, 
growing pains. So the society was having its growing pains. And um, could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics, erstwhile isn't a word I use on a regular basis, so I looked it up and it means formerly. So a large number of formerly erratic alcoholics, could they successfully meet and work together? And then the word beset, I wasn't familiar with. Soon AA was beset, which means troubled or threatened persistently by these very problems. And um, I... I'm thinking about how um, AA managed to get through the growing pains. And um, even though they were erratic in the past and were troubled persistently with these problems, they grew and realized that no matter what their differences were, they had to hang together or die separately. This is a program that is a matter, the the disease is a matter of life and death for alcoholics and I believe for compulsive overeaters too. And um, it's very reassuring for me to learn from this paragraph that in OA, we need to hang together or die separately. And so I choose to hang together and accept everyone's differences. And um, the last sentence is we had to unify our fellowship. And the word fellowship, the F in fellowship, is capitalized. Um, I'm not sure if that's because it's um, godlike or just to emphasize the importance of the word fellowship, but I do feel that it's godlike that I belong to this fellowship and it is so important and uh, therefore I'm willing to work with everyone in OA exactly as they are instead of being harsh and judgmental and um, know that we can um, together make a difference for ourselves and in the world and I'll pass thank you Rebecca would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, Janice. That's Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to comment. Go ahead, Linda. Um, the adolescent growing pains, I hope this isn't uh, critical. I don't mean it that way. I've been in uh, OA 30 years. Uh, when we started, we started with the big book in this small central Connecticut town. And um, I took off. It took off for me. And then many, many years of me just hanging in there and uh, being abstinent for a period of time. And the big book disappeared from this area. It just disappeared. It's like practically revolutionary to suggest we have it on the book table. And it was very frightening. And it came down to, even though I had a lot of recovery because I had now a relationship with God through the 12 steps as presented in the big book, it came down to grace. Grace picked me up. God picked me up and gave me a sponsor who was recovered. I had never seen anybody who was recovered. And the meetings around here disappeared. And 
my sponsor uh, was instrumental in getting me to uh, a phone meeting, and that one disappeared for me. And then to Visions for You. And uh, it just galvanized my recovery after 30 years. And I had a lot of recovery, so to speak, in terms of spiritual growth and stuff, but couldn't stay stopped and didn't have the concepts that I needed. I needed to be deprogrammed from my own um, experience in OA. And I'm not faulting OA in any way. I'm just saying I think the growing pains of OA are costing a lot of people their lives. There's a lot of confusion out there, and I see visions for you as this lighthouse, this beam of the truth, because it's coming from the big book. You can be recovered. I am now a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm sure of it. And my sponsor who's listening to this has probably fallen down, because I wouldn't say it until I was absolutely sure but I'm sure because I've seen people get recovered, stay recovered uh, through visions for you. I think that we're on the cutting edge of a revolution in OA. I hope so because people are dying out there. And this program really works as it's delivered on visions for you uh, with the big book and the 12 steps. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Linda. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, what this paragraph talks about is is what the question that came up earlier addresses. You know, what? where was the concept at this point of anonymity? Where was that concept? You know, this was a fearsome and exciting adolescent period for this new society, the society called Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, AA Comes of Age is a wonderful, wonderful book, uh, AA literature, that talks a lot about the earliest days of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. And the test that it faced was this, it says. The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of alcoholics not wander off course? Could they keep on successfully meeting and working together? Would there be quarrels? over membership, leadership, money? Would there be strivings for power and prestige? Would there be parts of AA that would split it apart? Well, it says very honestly here, very honestly, soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. Because guess what? We are oh so human. We are oh so human. And right here, once again, I like to believe we are seeing the hand of that higher power. We are seeing this divine unfolding of what would happen. They knew. They knew. It was frightening. It was disrupting. But what happened? What happened? You know, they answer some of these questions for us. The conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. Hang together or die separately. And isn't that always the way it was? One alcoholic to another alcoholic. If there is no you, there is no me. Together we do what we could never do alone. We have to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. 
or disappear or die. You know, this is as serious a thing as they knew they had to face. You know, belief that we had to stay together, unified, be whole, common purpose. You know, our meeting has a common purpose. One purpose, one main purpose, to carry this message to those who still suffer. To come together, to face our oh-so-human problems and follow follow what we know had worked, what we know had worked. And we're being shown here once again exactly how it works for us as well, I believe. You know, exactly what happens to them. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to go back out and reinvent the wheel. Thank you, God. We don't have to go back out and reinvent the wheel. We can take what these early alcoholics learned and learn ourselves from it. I believe, and you know what a what a wonderful thing that they show us this history right here, right here, so that we know we are also human as well. But they had the, they found a solution. They found a way to deal with these very things, and are showing it to us here in the forward to the second edition. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Beverly from Maryland. Go ahead, Beverly. Thank you. I would just like to comment and point out on that line, would there be schisms which would split AA apart? And united we stand, divided we uh, fall. And out of the very 12th tradition, I'd like to read, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities and even in the beginning that this was, um, you know, they had some rough times to go through and working things out. So thank you for letting me share, Pat. Thank you, Beverly. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater, and... You know, it says soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. And, you know, thank goodness we don't have to go back, as someone already shared, and reinvent the wheel. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's just um, it's a great thing that we are able to, um, to share this message each morning you know, that we can all be wherever we are in our cul-de-sacs and apartments and workplaces and wherever we are all over the world. And then we have this message, we have this hope, and we can carry it out into our local OA community if we have one. And, you know, as hard as it is, and and there will be um, resistance to, you know, sort of turning the, turning the, uh, focus back on positive uh, pitches and back on, you know, not doing service when you're not even abstinent and all these things that happen. I've been in OA for 30, over 30 years and I've seen it all. And, you know, there's this, um, I'm not sure where it comes from, but it's in the early days of AA where um, they wrote all these rules and this is before the traditions were established. And, you know, they rule after rule after rule, and they got to um, Rule 62, 
And rule 62 was don't take yourself too damn seriously. And, you know, they threw out the rules. It's like we have our 12 steps, we have our 12 traditions, and we have the principles of this program. And that's what is so, um, we are so blessed in 2013 that we can, you know, we don't have to die separately. And there is absolutely no reason not to recover. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, as someone shared who has been in OA for 30 years, you know, gratefully, I too have been in OA for 30 years, and I I did have many years where I did not have recovery. Um, but now I've had many years where I have been in recovery, and but I too have had a re... Uh, it's um, just... <laughs> The bar has been raised in my life because of this meeting. You know, I picture myself walking um, on my farm last summer when, um, you know, I just was available suddenly for this type of um, format. And, and, you know, and here it is. And here it is. And, you know, God gives us the fellowship we crave. And um, I'm just so grateful. And... It is, you know, just uh, we're dealing with people and we're dealing with personalities, but the principles went out and God has a bigger plan and uh, I don't have to be afraid of what may come down the pike if I try to raise the bar in my local meeting. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Penny E., if you would read that for us. Yes, thank you. Penny E., recovered compulsive overreader from South Jersey. As we, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible organization, even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films, and in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make allowances, alliances, or enter public controversies. And I would like to share on that. Very familiar. If, if you've been around and are familiar with the traditions, you're going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think what's really important to remember here is that uh, – when AA first started, there were no traditions. There were no traditions. The first edition of the big book that was printed in 1939 had no uh, traditions. That's what we're reading here, this, the forward to the second edition, and here's where the uh, traditions are uh, established. Established. The, um, the copyright on the AA 12 and 12 book is 1952. So there were quite a few years there that... Uh, 
they were, you know, in existence and did not have these traditions. And I don't know where it is. Somebody will know. But the, the traditions were hammered out on the anvil of experience. In other words, they had problems, and they knew that these problems had to be dealt with, and so they created the, um, the traditions. So uh, some of the problems they had in the beginning was simply because they didn't know about these traditions. So here it is. In the paragraph before, the, the last one we just finished, we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Tradition one talks about the next sentence, principles, which are the, the steps. So we had to evolve principles by which AA groups and AA as a whole could survive effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded. Tradition three, you only have to say that you're an alcoholic. Our leaders might serve but never govern. Govern. Um, I don't know which one that, oh, four, that each group had to be autonomous and there's no professional class. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions, seven. Um, there were to be the least possible organization, even in our service centers, tradition eight. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion, 11. It, de- it was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films, that's 11, and in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances or enter into public controversy, Tradition 10. So, you know, the question earlier also, um, very possible, I'm not sure of all the history and how it was, but very possibly as a result of that uh, evening with John D. Rockefeller, it says that they were deluged, deluged by, uh, you know, people wanting information, wanting this program. So maybe at that point they realize, hey, we can't even show, we, we can't give our names or show our faces because they're going to be coming to our house. I'm not real sure about that, but it's close. All right, everybody, have a God-filled day. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, good morning. This is Kathy from Netherlands. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, happy April Fool's Day. Um, the, um, it's, we're, we're so fortunate that we're, we've entered into a way at a place where so many before us have gotten to work out the traditions and the kinks, and yet we look at our recent history and we do stumble. And we will continue to stumble because that's what we are as addicts. We stumble and we're, we bruise our knees and we scrape ourselves, but beauty of this whole thing is we have a framework to pick ourselves up. We have a framework to dust ourselves off, whether it be a local group or ourselves, and we have a method to live. And so when we have a problem with a group locally that it's, you know, not what we want it to be, the beauty of this whole organization is it's a ground-up organization, and we can make a difference with every step we take and every word that comes out of our mouth. If a local meeting isn't filling the need, it isn't aligned with a program of recovery, maybe disease has taken it over, it does happen from time to time, then we are so fortunate because we start a new meeting, or when we come to that meeting, 
we make sure that we're the beacon of hope. We make sure that when that newcomer is sitting in the back of the room, we extend the hand of recovery in all we say and all we do. We take the time to share, and we share hope. And we're that mustard seed. We're that mustard seed of recovery that grows. It grows and grows and grows. And that's, that's what we need to embrace fully. We are so blessed and so lucky with the plethora of literature that's available the plethora of meetings, and that we've got strong meetings and strong people out there that we can emulate their behavior and and do what they do, do what they do. And most important is we don't ever want to put a meeting on a pedestal because if we put a meeting on a pedestal, the meeting will fall off the pedestal. As many have said, a pedestal is a very, very lonely place to be, whether you're an individual or a meeting. And with that, I pass. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kathy. Well, I'm Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, there's just so much, so much wisdom that's laid out in this paragraph, I think, about what happened to this society. You know, there were, there were many, many questions. I think Katie referred to it earlier about membership in the beginning. You know, they had all of these budding rules, all of these things. You know, could you be an AA if you were a woman? You know, they thought, well, maybe only men could be an AA. Or maybe you were too young to come into AA. Maybe you hadn't been drinking long enough, like some of the older members. So maybe you, maybe you couldn't be too young and come into AA. Maybe you couldn't be too old and come into AA. Maybe you couldn't be too rich or too poor. Maybe you couldn't be too educated or not educated enough. You know, all kinds of different ways in which they thought this society needed to have parameters around it. But what they realized was this had to be open to everyone, to everyone, that no man or woman could be excluded from our society. That if this thing was going to work, it had to be open to anyone, to anyone. And that's what was going to happen. You know, I, I love how these traditions came about. You know, Bill W. made it a point of traveling around the country. Letters started coming in from groups and meetings all over the country with the same kinds of questions and the same kinds of problems. And what were they going to do about it? And Bill W. made it a point to travel meeting to meeting to meeting to all these different areas of the country, hearing the same things. So they knew that these erstwhile groups were all beset by some of the same problems. And out of all of those problems came all of those solutions that became our traditions. Thank you, God, that became our traditions. Because how are we going to stay unified if we all have these problems that these groups were having, then they could all use the same solution. So just like the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous could be the solution for every alcoholic coming in, so these traditions could govern our groups as well, that we could be guided by what would become our principles, that in action these principles could keep us unified. And then became the book that we know as the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions, where those could be talked about at length for discussion among members so that we had guidelines, 
guidelines, things to help us stay in that place of spiritual recovery, which was what we all needed and what we all really, really still need today. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Meg. May I share? Go ahead, Meg. Hi, this is Meg, grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. When I look at this paragraph, the emphasis on anonymity really pops out at me, and I see you know, there was to be the least possible organization, even in our service centers. For AA, organization was based entirely off of allowing God to work through people. The program is called Alcoholics Anonymous. Our program is called Overeaters Anonymous. That anonymity takes away the self. It it removes our ability to take credit for all the things that this program allows us to do. It allows God to work through us. And it's amazing. It's so amazing that they were able to create an organization that allowed for that. It's it's incredible. <laughs> and it's the least possible organization. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Meg. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Fran, if you would please read that for us. Good morning, Jen. For you, this is Fran, compulsive overeater. And um, this was the substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 564 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by a first international conference held in Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets of our, that our society has. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Rebecca. Go ahead, Rebecca. Again, uh, Rebecca, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you. Um, You know, knowing that there's um, an OA uh, organization that um, provides information on a website or a phone call away that gives us uh, formats we can follow and uh, literature that we can um, obtain and give out at meetings and a structure in which to um, start a meeting or have a meeting is very, very reassuring to me and helpful, and um, we're just so blessed that we have um, unity in OA, 
and and I know it may be wavering or some people have concerns about it, but there is a structure in place and it is what makes someone as insecure as me um, have the tools that I need to work this program as if my life depended on it and carry the message and um, get a new meeting started, a new big book meeting and, and learn you know, share what I've learned in our meeting on a vision for you with people in my community. And I'm very grateful for that. I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Well, I'd like to comment on just that. This is Janice again on on that last sentence in this paragraph. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has one of the greatest assets. You know, and I think that's what we build on. You know, that's what we build on is that asset, is that asset. And we can count on that asset because there are those who want so much to follow the traditions. And that keeps us on track, I believe. You know, that keeps us on track. You know, that we have a common problem and a common solution a way out that we can depend on and that these traditions give us that way out. Give us those parameters. Give us those guidelines. You know, they weren't rules and regulations and laws laid down. And and even the outside people looking in at this society said, how's that going to work? They said, how's that going to work? captains of industry and people in government. And they said, how is that going to work? If you have no heads, if you have no rules and regulations, well, what we discovered as a society, it says, is that we were doing these not because we ought to or had to, but because we wanted to. Because we wanted to. Because once again, you know, if there is no you, there is no me. You know, I have learned that this is something I could never do alone. And the traditions make that as clear to me as anything. They may, they may help be helpful to the groups, but they're helpful to me as an individual as well. You know, that I know that, that I don't come on for personal gain. I don't come on for... for I come on because I know that you are out there doing the same thing I am and that you want the same thing that I want. To carry the message to those who still suffer because that's how you and I stay in this place of spiritual awakening, of spiritual experience. Carrying this message to those who still suffer. Thank you, God. You know, thank you, God, that we do this, that we do this. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Melanie? Go ahead, Melanie. Hi, good morning, Janice. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And the entire paragraph continues to talk about a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. With that pause in mind, a power greater than ourselves. And in my experience with growing up and emotionally in Overeaters Anonymous, there has been this 
this power greater than me. I have been involved in many situations where I was not behaving very <laughs> very spiritually or certainly building bridges, even in OA when I would be in different meetings and things like that. And, and they used the word here, force of, rule, force of rules or laws. And in order to get through what I thought that I had to get through in my life, I thought that there had to be these hard lines, these absolute hard lines, and I would speak those from the rooftops. And so, again, I just want to emphasize, this is talking to me in my heart about a power greater, that there is a driving force and that driving force is that power beyond all of these folks, these differences, these things that could have just ripped this deal apart and have in many places in OA um, because of that common that common look and that direction. That there could I in my mind there could be no other no other thing that would that would pull these people together, that would build these bridges, these inroads to keep these folks together, except for that kind of power. And then, of course, the, the issue of autonomy, you know, and all things. It, it's just a glorious, gracious thing that I can't quite explain, and that's how I see it anyway. With that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Patricia Reyes here. Go ahead, Patricia. I'm sorry, I was unmuting. Um, I just wanted to share on this the the bottom line also. On today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest aspects that our society has. I believe that today, the unity of um, the OA program working this big book is the greatest asset that we as overeaters have because I have never had recovery, real recovery where I am walking and and paying attention to my behavior and, you know, doing my steps on a daily basis um, and, and trying to bring the message to others, not even trying. People are actually coming up to me and asking me to, you know, can I call you and can I have your number? And I'm like, whoa, you know, what in the world? <laughs> you know? um, so um, this, what we have here is really the greatest asset that OA has ever had. I, I really believe that in my heart, you know, because we are doing this big book. Anyways, thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Patricia. Well, we'll close the meeting here, um, and thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Judy B., could you read that for us? Certainly. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. 
We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.